0: Peter is writing to these and to us and to all. Remember the context. Peter is writing to these who are dispersed and scattered in other places. They're running for their lives. They've professed to believe that Jesus Christ is God, that God became a human. That he is only, the only way to enter into the God the Father's family is by believing on Christ, trusting in him, turning from their sin, believing that in the resurrection they can have forgiveness of sins and acceptance. They're believing it, and they're, it's costly. It's costly for them having initially received this letter. They're running for their lives. They're being persecuted and abused and tortured and losing their homes and losing their businesses and losing family. And they're running. But he's writing them a letter. And this letter not only comes from Peter, but it comes from God himself by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is leading him. And he's reminding them, this is who you are, but ultimately, this is who Christ is. So we can have encouragement and help for today and hope for tomorrow because of who Christ is and what he's done for those who are his. That's where you get encouragement. To see Christ. To see his work and his accomplishments. He, his accomplishments, see him as he is. Why? Why suffering? Joy filled joy. Suffering? Joy? The two don't go together. Yes, they do when understood in the providence and the sovereignty and goodness of God. Let's look again at these scriptures that we've been, that we read this morning. Look again at 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has called us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Blessed. What does that mean? Paul says, begin with Christ. Begin in understanding suffering as an opportunity to bring praise to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you do. You're suffering. You focus your attention on Him. Praise to you, Lord. You're God. You're allowing this. You're the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not only my Christ, my Lord, but ours. It's the family. Why do we praise Him? Because of who He is. Look at the word mercy. Mercy. According to His great mercy. What is mercy? It's not receiving God's anger. And punishment that we deserve. That's mercy. Not receiving God's anger and God's punishment that we deserve. Family, the Bible is clear. All of us deserve God's anger, we deserve His punishment. We deserve the hell that's a place that's real. That's what we deserve. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, he's lavished what? Great mercy. Great mercy. Look at these words. Look at these words. Great mercy. Then he points out several ways this great mercy is evident. Number one, being born again. See that? Praise to you, God, our Father of Jesus Christ, according to your great mercy. What what have you done? You've caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again? Yeah. You who are suffering, what do you need to do? You need to focus on what Christ has done. Birth you a second time. Of course, there's the physical birth when your mother birthed you. But there's a second birth that's offered through Jesus Christ. Nicodemus in John chapter 3 was the authority in the Bible. And Jesus said to this theologian, Nicodemus, you must be born a second time. Birthed again. You've been birthed physically, but you got to be birthed spiritually. God has to come and breathe life into you and then that, that new life bring you out into his family. Had a, whew, listening to Uh, pastor Dr. Tim Keller on this very passage. And Dr. Tim Keller, when he went to Manhattan, Florida of New York to start a new church there in Manhattan, he preached six messages just on this word meaning born again, birth a second time, six sermons. And having begun that series of six sermons on what it means to be born again, one of his men came to him. And in a kind way, said, this teaching on being born again, isn't that for implying those out there? And that's a... Pastor Keller, don't you know who we are? We're part of Manhattan, New York. We're the cultured, highly educated, successful, Wall Street, lawyers, doctors, own and own professionals. Isn't this message about being born again for those out there? He was sincere, this man who approached Keller. You know, the less educated, the less cultured, you know, the street people. Why are you telling us these things? And Keller, in love, said this in essence. Because we've all must be born again. Everyone who will enter into God's family. It's not just them, it's us. Family, boys and girls, young folk, adults. You may know a lot about the Bible. You may know a lot about Jesus Christ, but have you been born again? Have you been born a second time? On Saturday evening, January 31, 1970, I was in college preparing to become a preacher. a young friend brought me aside and started sharing these things with me. Studying to be a preacher in college doesn't make you a Christian, Archie. The Holy Spirit breathed life into me. And I saw for the first time, I'd heard all of this. I grew up in a great family. I'd been to church. But on January the 31st, 1970, the Holy Spirit breathed life into me and I was born a second time. Have you been born again? You may or may not know when that occurs. My wife, the godliest person I know, cannot tell you when she was born a second time, but she knows she is. That's what's important. Not that you know when but are you in the family? That will bring you encouragement when you focus on his great mercy that does what? Births you again the second time into the family. The second reason here that will bring you encouragement is to know Christ, by his resurrection, gives an inheritance to all of his family. That's what it says. Look at those verses. Look at those verses. He's birthed you. Praise Him. He's birthed you. Secondly, you've you've been given an inheritance. What's an inheritance? An inheritance is something that usually family or close friends give because of their death, they give an inheritance. Think of receiving, and he says here, this inheritance is perfect. It never fades. It never loses its value. It's imperishable. It doesn't rot. It doesn't spoil. Think of receiving a beautiful mansion. I mean a home. Whoa. The nicest home. Imagine receiving that from a relative or from a friend as an inheritance. As wonderful and valuable as that lovely home is, it will deteriorate. Without proper care, it will eventually one day deteriorate and even rot if neglected. Or a beautiful antique car you receive as an inheritance. Without proper care, that beautiful, antique, valuable car will one day rust. But not this inheritance. Look at the words the Holy Spirit has chosen to to describe the inheritance. Look at verse 3 again. Blessed be the God. Praise to Him. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to His great, great mercy. What does He do? He's caused you to be born again into a living hope, a living vital hope, not not I hope so. This is a confidence. This is a certainty into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There it is, to an inheritance. It's imperishable. It never loses its value. It's undefiled. It's unfading. And it's kept in heaven for you. It's under guard. That's what it says. For by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed. Quote this inheritance. Christ keeps under guard. And it's safe. It'll be there. The salvation of your souls. Yes. That's what these need to hear. Who are suffering It's what you need. When you're going through crisis. Praise him. That begins. If you're born into his family. Look at the inheritance. Oh, look at verse six. In this, you're full of joy. You are rejoicing. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. That's what's awaiting you. Praise Him now. But right now, for a time, you're going through a very, very hard, difficult time. Your faith is being tested severely. Your faith is being tested severely. Various, grieved. you're grieved. You're hurting by various trials. Grieving, joy, in the same setting, yes, 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 Christ never promises to keep you from grieving and mourning, but he promises to go with you and give you that inner joy. That's what he says. Going through all kinds of various trials to your faith. It's multifaceted. What a lovely lady, spiritually, emotionally. June, now with our Lord. June had gone through the heartache of her husband dying. Remarried, what she thought was a wonderful, godly man, very active, a leader, an elder in the church of which she was a member. Her husband went off to a retreat and he came back and he was a different man. He had heard and embraced truth. Pardon me, he embraced teaching that was not true. about the deity of Christ. He began denying the deity of Christ. Of course, he was put out of the church and he deserted his wife. He deserted June. June. Cerebral palsy. In a wheelchair. Slurred speech. Deformed in her Features, but sweet. Could only function in a wheelchair in her little apartment where she lived. She could reach no higher than the shelf there of her refrigerator or the stove or the cabinets. Depending on someone to come pick her up for the doctor's appointment or to get out and do some shopping. Limited income on social security. Getting a letter from Social Security saying they were going to cut her benefits. All kinds of trials emotionally, being deserted financially, emotionally, physically. Remember, she's in a wheelchair, cerebral palsy, slurred speech going during the night from her bed to the wheelchair to the bathroom. She falls. She's unable to get up. She doesn't want to bother anyone during the middle of the night to come and get her off the floor and help her back into her wheelchair so that she can go back to bed so she stays there. The remainder of the night. And then called. Her church family. Someone come and help me up. But her joy. Heartache? Yes. Deserted? Yes. Pain? Yes. Joy? Yes. Because she can look... This grievous trial to her faith was for a time. She could look beyond the immediate years to look at that which was before her. Various trials, it's all there. In this you rejoice, though now for a season, for a brief time. He takes you through all kinds of hurt and disappointments and faith. You've got to keep focused on Christ. He does not waste your suffering. Look at these last verses. Verse 8 and following. Verse 8 and following. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see, now see Him, you believe in Him. And what? Rejoice with is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Folk, in all of your life, you have never seen Jesus Christ. You're not seeing Him now, that is visually, but we see Him in Scripture. You do not need a vision of Christ. You do not need a dream of Christ. You do not need Him to appear before you. That's what Peter is saying. You've not seen Him. But are you loving Him? What does it mean to love? To obey. Though you do not see Him now, believe in Him. It's all about Christ. That you can... Rejoice with joy. I talked to my pastor friend and asked permission to share this. He gave it to me. My pastor friend and I have been friends for about 40 years. Last Saturday was the 10th anniversary of his oldest daughter's death. Three daughters, the oldest one made bad choices. She began running with the wrong crowd. The Bible says, "Those who walk with the wise shall be wise." you listening? When you walk with the wise, you're going to be wise. But when you walk with fools, the Scripture says you're going to be destroyed. This daughter began going with the foolish. And it cost her several marriages. The loss of her children because of her behavior. And she was destroyed by an early death, by the choices she made. Last Saturday was her 10th anniversary of her death. And I talked to Dad. Dad talked about the grieving and the mourning and the tears and the heartache over these 10 years. He'll still cry, he says. But he says, all the people who have come to him to talk about their children and their heartaches and their pain, the pastor's able to say, yeah. I've been there. Understand. But also share that because of Jesus Christ, there's a comfort, there's a peace, there's a strength. I'm using it biblically. There's an inner rejoicing with joy. Not that his daughter made those choices, but a joy in Christ. All he is good because he is God, Jesus Christ. He's good. All that he does and allows is for your good. He is good. And all that he allows and permits in the life of his children. Listen. All that he allows and permits in the lives of his sons and daughters having, who have experienced the second birth By the resurrection of Christ, he's working for your good. That's the message of 1 Peter. It's the message of Scripture. There is reason, and it's a good reason. The greater praise to him, the greater the joy when you're suffering. May you know this. May you experience it. And may you share it with others as they will grieve and mourn and hurt and question. Why is this happening? Praise to the Lord and joy. Rejoicing with joy. Father, you've spoken truth in Jesus Christ. You've spoken truth in Scripture. Teach us truth that will set us free. Minister your grace, your mercy to these and to all through your Son. In his name, amen.